Now, if you haven't heard this before, this may shock you, but the New Testament does not begin in Matthew chapter 1 with Jesus' birth. The New Testament doesn't begin with Jesus' birth. It begins with Jesus' death. So our Bibles don't help us divide the covenants properly because most people assume that the New Testament begins in Matthew 1.1. So I want you to just forget about how your Bibles are split up. Welcome to the Living by Grace podcast with Al Jennings. When you receive the abundance of grace and the free gift of righteousness, you will reign in life. Listen in as we discuss the effortless life of God's grace. Hello, everybody. What it is, what it be, what it do, what's up, what's happening. (laughs) We're going to get right into the lesson today. I'm talking about enemies of faith. There are enemies to our faith. What am I talking about? Let's go to our foundation scriptures in First Timothy chapter 6, verse 12. I'm going to show you what I'm talking about when I say there are enemies, <clears throat> excuse me, there are enemies to our faith. First Timothy 6, 12 says, fight the good fight of faith. We are in, people, a faith fight. All right? We're in a battle as Christians. As I pointed out last week, we're not to fight the devil, although he's the enemy. We don't have to fight him because he is already defeated. I covered that last week. But it says fight the good fight. I also pointed out, and I want to bring it back to you now in case you missed it, it's a good fight. And a good fight is one that you win. And the reason why that we win is because Jesus, our Savior, our Redeemer, our great champion who has never lost a battle, he won the victory for us on Calvary, on the cross. And that's why it's a good fight, because Jesus already won the battle, and he did it for you and for me. Isn't that awesome? Everything that Jesus did on the cross None of it was for himself. All of it was for you and me. He became became sin. He who knew no sin. He never committed any acts of sin. Right? But he became sin as our substitute, as our substitutionary sacrifice. He became sin for us on our behalf that we might become the righteousness of God. In Christ Jesus. He took our sin and now we have his perfect righteousness. That's awesome. All right. And so that's why we don't have to fight the devil because Jesus already whipped him. It wasn't a fair fight because the devil was no match (laughs) for Jesus. One time when Jesus sent out his disciples to heal the sick, raise the dead, cast out demons. They came back all excited, and they said, Jesus, even the demons are subject to us through your name. Jesus was like, man, that's no big deal. I saw Satan fall. I watched him fall like lightning from heaven. You know, Satan got booted out from heaven. That's another story for another day. But Jesus said, that's no big deal. I saw Satan fall from heaven like lightning. You know how fast lightning is? It's like, see that lightning? Oh, 
shoot, you missed it. It's gone. It's like that. If you didn't see it when it happened, it's gone. All right. So Jesus said, I saw Satan fall from heaven like lightning. He said, don't, don't get all excited. Don't rejoice because the demons are subject to you. Rejoice because your names are written in heaven. That's good stuff. And he said, behold, I give unto you power or authority to walk on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy and nothing, whoo, nothing. I'm excited. I'll be, yeah, nothing shall by any means hurt you, child of God, because it's a good fight of faith because Jesus already won the victory for us. So we're not fighting for victory. Listen, we're fighting from victory, from a place of victory. All right. Hosea 4, 6. Enemy number one, we're in a faith fight. And if there were no enemies to our faith, why do I say that we have enemies to our faith? Well, we're in a fight. And it tells us, let me go back to this, 1 Timothy 6. It tells us what kind of fight we're in. Don't miss this because this is our jumping off place. It tells us we're in a faith fight. That's the kind of fight that we're in. And it's a good fight. Why? Right. We win. All right? So the fight we're in is a faith fight. Fight the good fight of what? Of the faith. Fight the good fight of what? Of the faith. New King James says fight the good fight of faith. The faith. Faith. Same thing. All right? So we're in a faith fight. That's the fight that we're in. Somebody said, well, you know, I know the devil's out to get me. I mean, he's just fighting me tooth and toenail. You know, really, the devil's not really interested in you. Oh, yes, he is. He's always messing with me. Well, he, he tries to mess with all of us. The thing is, he's not interested in you per se he's only listen if you're not doing nothing he's really not messing with you very much because he's only interested in stealing our faith that's what he's interested in he's only interested in you and he and he's only attacking you because you're operating in faith and he's out to get your faith to try to get you to shut up and not operate in the faith of God. We have, Jesus said, have the faith of God. All right? And if you can believe, if you can have faith, all things are possible for you. The devil doesn't want you walking around, operating in faith, walking in victory, because when you're walking by faith, not by sight, you're walking in victory. You're living a life of divine health. Now, we all get attacked, but we have the victory over sickness and disease. We have a, the victory over poverty. But he's trying to steal your finances. He's trying to steal. That's what he does. He steals. He's out to steal, kill, and destroy. He roams around like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour or those who allow him to devour them. Okay, so 
he's out to get you to shut up. He's out to take your, try to steal your joy and try to steal your peace. Because one, when you're operating by faith, you know that the joy of the Lord is your strength. That joy is a fruit of your spirit. All right, it's in your spirit. Peace is in your spirit. Everything that Jesus bought and paid for for you on the cross, it's already in your spirit. But we got to renew our minds to get it in our soul. So no matter what's going on, boy, this is good stuff. No matter what's going on, we have a note of victory on our lips. We're talking faith. No matter what it looks like, it may look like we're going down, but we're not. And even if we get knocked down, we're going to get back up. Praise God. We're not going to stay down. We're not going to let the devil defeat us. Again, we're not fighting for victory. We're fighting from victory. And so when you're operating like that, operating in faith, speaking God's word, see, you're, you're winning the fight of faith. But what he wants you to do is to get you to shut up. Stop talking victory. Stop talking faith. Stop believing that you're healed when it looks like you're sick. He wants to get you to stop believing that you're prosperous when it looks like you're broke. Praise God. When it looks like you're weak, he wants you to stop thinking that you're strong because the Bible says, let the weak say that I'm strong. The Bible says, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. The Bible tells us I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. When you believe in like that and you're talking like that, he doesn't like that. So that's what I'm talking about. He's trying to steal your faith. And now if we are in a faith fight and we are, then we, it must of necessity be enemies to our faith. Because if there, were no, if there were no enemies to our faith, there would be no fight to faith. Okay, now, that's all just the introduction, but good stuff anyhow. All right. Uh, I don't like this podcast to be preachy. I want it to be con conversational. I'll pause sometimes and let it marinate, let it simmer. <laughs> okay. And I want you to get it. Okay. So, Hosea chapter 4, verse 6. We're getting into now enemy number one we started last week. Enemy number one. I encourage you to take notes. This is Bible study. So I encourage you to get a pen, a paper, or your tablet, or your phone, or whatever. And uh, let's get into some things here. All right. My people, God says, my people, this is God's people. This is in the old covenant. And he said, my people are destroyed for, not because they don't love me. They're not destroyed because they don't have a passion for Jesus. They're destroyed for a lack of knowledge. This is God's people. Okay. Now, let's look at some things that I want to get into some things that uh, are destroying God's people. When I say destroyed, I mean that causes God's people to be defeated. Okay? And the devil is using a lack of knowledge to whip a lot of Christians. 2 Timothy 2.15 says this. Be diligent. 
Another translation says study. To present yourself approved to God, a worker who does not need to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. Now, if you have your Bibles, just highlight this, underscore. um, I want you to see this. I want this to jump out to you or jump out at you when you're reading. Rightly dividing the word of truth. We need to know how to rightly divide God's word. It's the word of truth. God's word, Jesus said, thy word, God's word is truth. And one of the things that really messes people up is they don't know how to rightly divide the word in several areas. I want to talk about a couple of areas that really causes God's people to be defeated, okay? And uh, for example, this is one area. Um, One area is a failure to divide the covenants properly. Um, Some people are acting like we're under the old covenant. And I want to tell you what I mean by that. And the way the Bible is divided up, people assume that the New Testament begins in Matthew chapter 1 and verse 1, and it does not. We are in, let me say this first, we're in a new covenant. And um, this is a video podcast right now, and I'm live, but it will be an audio podcast. But for, for the audio listeners, I've got my Bible open right now. And uh, I'm going to switch my camera view so you can, this is small print on my Bible, but you can go to your Bible if you have a Bible handy and turn to Matthew chapter 1. As I am turning to Matthew 1, now in the beginning of the Bible, beginning with Genesis chapter 1, that's classified in my Bible as the Old Testament or Old Covenant. Let me say this. Covenant and Testament means the same thing. When you talk about a will, you're talking about a covenant. That's another word for covenant, testament. It's a will. The New Testament is God's last will and testament. All right? Now, right before... Matthew, in my Bible, there's a page that says the New Testament introduction. Okay, I don't know if you can see this. Let me hold it up to the camera here. I don't know if this will focus in on it, but for the audio listeners, okay, it says New Testament. All right, and then if I turn the page, actually, there's two pages of introduction, then the gospel according to Matthew, okay? And so that makes you think to the casual student of God's word that the New Testament begins in Matthew chapter 1, all right? Now, if you haven't heard this before, this may shock you, but the New Testament does not begin in Matthew chapter 1 with Jesus' birth. The New Testament 
doesn't begin with Jesus' birth. It begins with Jesus' death. So our Bibles don't help us divide the covenants properly because most people assume that the New Testament begins in Matthew 1.1. So I want you to just forget about how your Bibles are split up. And the reason why this is important because the devil is defeating people because they are not operating under the new covenant and we're in a new covenant. The old covenant was a system of do good, get good. If you kept the law, you were blessed. When you did not keep the law or disobeyed the law, you were cursed. And people still act like we're under that covenant. But we're not. We're not blessed because we keep the law. We're blessed because Jesus kept the law perfectly and went to the cross on our behalf. And we're not blessed in the new covenant by our obedience. We're blessed because of Jesus' obedience. People are destroyed for a lack of knowledge. Many people, many of God's people, are destroyed for a lack of knowledge. They think that they have to earn God's favor. They have to earn, they feel like, they have to earn his acceptance or approval. But you don't. People think they have to qualify for God's blessings, that they have to earn his love. No, we qualify because of Jesus. Colossians tells us giving thanks to the Father who has qualified us to partake of the inheritance. Okay? So, let's look at this. Let me prove to you what I'm talking about. All right. Hebrews chapter 9, verse 15 reads as follows. Therefore, therefore he is the mediator of a new covenant so that those who are called may receive the promised eternal inheritance since a death. What? Since a death has occurred that redeems them from the transgressions committed under the first covenant. Remember, a covenant is a will. A will is another term for a covenant. Keep that in mind as we read this next verse. See, a death has to occur in order order for the new covenant to begin. Let's look at verse 16. For where a will is, there it is, will, for where a will is involved, the death, there it is again, the word death, the death of the one who made it must be established. Verse 17, for a will takes effect only at death. Here it is. I mean, this is as plain as the nose on your foot. <laughs> a will or a testament or a covenant can only take place, can only take effect at death. So the new covenant cannot begin with Jesus' birth. It begins at his death. For a will takes effect only at death since it is not in force at, as long as the one who made it is alive. So while Jesus, when he was born of a virgin, walked the earth, 
was doing all the miracles, raising the dead, casting out demons, healing the sick, so forth. The new covenant had not started yet. See, it's not in force as long as the one who made it is alive. Verse 18, therefore, not even the first covenant. So you see, it's talking about, clearly talking about the two covenants. Therefore, not even the first covenant or the old covenant or the old will was inaugurated without blood. So here's two keys that we're seeing here. In order for the new covenant to take place, there must be death, and there must also be what? Blood. Hebrews also tells us without the shedding of blood, there's no remission of sin. Okay? Let's jump over to back a chapter to chapter 8, verse 6, beginning in verse 6, to further drive this point home. But as it is, Christ has obtained a ministry that is as much more excellent than the old. We have a better covenant. As the covenant he mediates is better since it is enacted on better promises. For if that first covenant had been faultless, there would have been no occasion to look for a second. For he finds fault with them when he says, Behold, the days are coming. Pause. Now, he found fault with the people under the old covenant because they couldn't keep the law. The, the law wasn't given for them to keep. <laughs> the law was given for them to break. The law was given to bring man to the end of, of himself. The law was not intended to make us righteous. The law was given to bring man to the end of himself for man to recognize that he needs a Savior who is Jesus. Hallelujah. Our Savior. The fault that he found with the people, the law was perfect. There's, there's nothing wrong with the law. We don't beat up the law. The law is perfect. The problem is man can't keep it. He found fault with them when he says, not the law, but the people, because they couldn't keep it. When he says, behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will establish a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah. Not like the covenant that I made with their fathers on the day when I took them by the hand to bring them out of the land of Egypt, for they did not continue in my covenant, and so I showed no concern for them, declares the Lord. For this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, declares the Lord, I will put my laws into their minds and write them on their hearts, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. God now lives in this, in this new covenant. He lives not outside of us, but on the inside of us by his Spirit. Whenever you made Jesus the Lord of your life, you became a new creation According to 2 Corinthians 5, 17, old things 
passed away, all things become new. Let's look at verse 11. And they shall not teach each one his neighbor and each one his brother, saying, Know the Lord, for they shall all know me from the least of them to the greatest. For I will be merciful toward their iniquities, and I will remember their sins no more. Praise God. Jesus on the cross took our sins, past, present, and future. He has no remembrance of our sins. He removed our sins as the as far as the east is from the west. God will never be angry with you again. He will never punish you for your sins. Well, God's just punishing me for all these sins. I never can seem to get it right, Pastor, and I know that I'm being punished for my sins. I remember um, I had a brother-in-law. He's with the Lord now, but he was ill, and he was walking with a limp, and I still can remember him walking down the street, and he said, you know who, who did this to me, don't you? I knew where this was going. I didn't even <laughs> I didn't even want to answer his question. And he pointed his finger up to point at God. But no, God didn't put any sickness on him. But people think that. This is my point. Many of God's people, a whole lot of God's people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. In that example I just gave you of my brother-in-law, there are people who think that God put sickness on them to teach them something. And some people think that God is, and that's not true. We'll get into that next week. But this week, let me stay here. There are people who think, for example, that, yes, the Lord is punishing me for these sins that I, I've committed. No, God is not punishing you for anything you've done wrong. Not last week, not last month, not last year, not five years ago. God's not punishing you for anything. He's not mad at you about anything. God is not mad at you. He's madly in love with you. He's mad about you. And the reason he's not punishing you for any sins is because your sins, all of them, have already been punished on the body of Jesus on the cross. Jesus was punished so we can be free from sin and sins, and God will remember your sins no more. Ooh-wee! That's so good. Praise God. That's freedom. And whom the Son sets free is free indeed. So stand fast, child of God, in the liberty wherewith Christ has made you free. Look at verse 13. And speaking of a new covenant, he makes the first one obsolete. And what is becoming obsolete and growing old is ready to vanish away. All right. Now, let's go to... John 19.30, I'm going to show you when the New Testament began. Let's look at this verse again before we move on. 
went over it kind of quick, but let's circle back. And speaking of a new covenant, because I want to make sure you get this. He makes the first one what? Obsolete. We're not under the law anymore. We're under a new covenant of grace. And what is becoming obsolete and growing old is ready to vanish away. I want you to get that. We're not under the law, which is a part of the old covenant. And that old covenant law is obsolete. Okay. He made a new covenant with us. Okay. And it's not like the old one. Hebrews 8, 9 again. When he says, in verse 8, I will establish a new covenant. Verse 9 says, it's not like the covenant that I made with their fathers on the day when I took them by the hand to bring them out of the land of Egypt, for they did not continue in my covenant. So clearly, the context reveals that he's talking about the law. Now, since the new covenant, to recap, what I've been talking about. The new covenant did not begin with Jesus' birth, did not begin with Jesus' birth, but with his death. Because in order for a will, in order for them to, for there to be a will, all right, there has to be, you know, for the will to be, take place, okay, um, what, what's the word I'm looking for? Activated. For the will to be activated, there must be two things, death and blood. And that's what happened on the cross. The new covenant, the New Testament began when Jesus died on the cross, when Jesus had received the sour wine, John 19.30. He said, it is finished and he bowed his head and gave up his spirit. On the cross, Jesus shed his blood. He bowed his head. He said, it is finished, and bowed his head. That, my friend, is when the new covenant started, and we're not under the old covenant law. The old covenant law is obsolete. Now, when people are trying to keep the law, and they're trying to operate under the old covenant, this is where they open the door for the enemy to come in and defeat them. And I'm going to give you two examples before I let you go. 2 Corinthians 7.14. Whenever something is happening on the earth, there's always some kind of prophet. I call them non-profit corporations. <laughs> but they want to talk about when things happen in America, that something bad like 9-11, um, for example, when the terrorists attacked the Twin Towers, all these people got killed. There are people who, who will get out thinking they're speaking for God. There are people who will say that Preachers, they give God a bad name by saying God did this. God's judging America for their sins. And America needs to repent. They need to humble themselves, pray, seek his face. Those are good things to do. All right. 
But using this verse to say that, like when something bad happened, God did it, all right, and then connecting this verse with it is really um, false information. It's not true, all right? It's false doctrine, okay? First of all, God is not judging America. He's not judging Africa. He's not judging the continent of Africa, the continent of Europe. He's not judging Asia. He's not judging anybody, and he's not judging you, all right? Jesus died, okay? News alert, Jesus died for the whole world. And he so loved, not just loved the world, he so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Many people know that, but don't believe in his unconditional love. Whoever believes in him will not perish, but have everlasting life. Many people who are familiar with that verse are not familiar with the next verse that says God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world. Huh? 2 Corinthians 5 tells us he, God was in Christ reconciling the world unto himself, not imputing their trespasses unto them. Imputing is an accounting term. All right? God, let me bring it back to you. God was in Christ reconciling the world unto himself. And it says, not the, who? the world, not imputing or charging their trespasses unto them. All right, combine that, compare that with John 3, 17. God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world. Child of God, we need to get this word out here. We need to get this word out to people. God is not judging America. Well, well, well why did that happen? Because there's a devil out there, and he's out there to steal, kill, and destroy. It wasn't God didn't have anything to do with killing people at all. He doesn't kill people. Jesus came that we might have life. He gives life. He doesn't take life. Well, what about Job? I'm going to talk about Job next week. But right now, I want you to stay here. Because this verse is an old covenant verse. It was true at one time. And I'm going to talk about this next week. Everything in the Bible is truly stated, but everything in the Bible is not a statement of truth. Just because somebody says something in the Bible doesn't mean it's true. Okay. You know, the Bible says there, there is no God. <laughs> That's right. The Bible says there is no God. But it also says, who says that? It says, the fool says in his heart there is no God. So, you know, when somebody says there's no God, they're talking, you, you know, you're talking to a fool. Okay. I'll get into that more next week. Stay tuned. But I want you to see right here that this, this is true. It's in the Bible. But, and it is, now this is, in, in this scenario, this is a statement of truth. And it's truly stated. But we need to know how to rightly divide the covenants, y'all. This statement is written to, you need to know who the Bible is written to. This statement is written to people under the old covenant law. In order for God 
to bless them and to hear from heaven and forgive their sin and heal their land. They had to do what? They had to humble themselves. They had to pray. They had to seek his face and turn from their wicked ways. Humbling yourself and praying and seeking his face. Let me make sure you don't misunderstand me. That is an awesome thing to do. We all should be doing that. But not in order to get God to bless us. We're already blessed because of Jesus. He already hears from heaven our prayers. His ears are open to the prayers of the righteous, it says in Peter, right? We don't have to wait for him to forgive our sin under the old, un, excuse me, under this new covenant. We don't have to wait for him to forgive our sin. He's already forgiven our sins on the cross. Period, bottom line is end of story concerning our sin. All right. What what you know what America needs, you know what every continent, every country in the earth needs is a revelation of righteousness, a revelation of the fact that God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. We need to get the gospel to people, the good news. Gospel means good news. Some people think it's bad news. The way you hear it, some people represent God is they act like the Bible's bad news. You look in their, at their face when they're preaching to people and they look mean and they shake. Some people, they just shake their Bibles at folks. You better turn from your wicked ways. Yeah. Folks need a revelation of grace and what Jesus has done for us on the, on the cross. Instead of shaking your Bible at people and instead of people yelling at folks, trying to make them repent, tell them the good news that Jesus took all your sins on the cross. He's a happy God. And the sin problem have already been settled because he sent Jesus to die for the sins of the whole world. And all we got to do is accept what he did for us on the cross, and we become born again, and we become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. One more before I let you go. We need to rightly divide the covenants, okay? All right. This verse is not for us. Recap, this verse is not for us under the new covenant. Let's go to Psalm. Here's something else, another example of something that belongs in the old covenant. It does not belong to you in the new covenant. Now, David said this after he committed a horrible sin. Okay. He um, slept with Beersheba. Bathsheba, Beersheba, what is it? Beersheba, Bathsheba, something, something Sheba. <laughs> and uh, man committed adultery. Actually sent her husband, arranged for him to be on the front line to be killed in battle so he could have his wife. It's horrible. He sinned, sure enough. And so he's praying here. Create in me, Psalm 51, beginning verse 10. 
Psalm 51.10, create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Verse 11, cast me not away from your presence and take not your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and uphold me with a willing spirit. Okay, now let's, um, let's break this down. We don't pray this prayer, create, create in me a clean heart. Now it sounds, sounds nice, it sounds right, sounds very humbling, it sounds like a very humble prayer. Okay, now let me say this, I'm not making fun of anybody, and some people who are operating, trying to keep the law, they're good people. And the majority of these people, 99% of these people, their heart's in the right place, their motives are right, but they're just ignorant of God's word, that's all. Everybody's ignorant of something. There's a lot of things I'm ignorant about. But there's one thing that you cannot afford to be ignorant about, and that's God's word. The reason why we don't pray, create in me a clean heart under the new covenant is because we already have a clean heart. We've been made a new creation in Christ when we accepted Jesus Christ as Lord. If you want a clean heart, get saved. Receive Jesus. Problem solved. You got a clean heart. You don't have to pray, create in me a clean heart. You don't have to pray, renew a right spirit within me because your spirit is as good as it gets. Your spirit is perfect. Your spirit, we are a spirit. We have a soul, which is our mind, will, intellect, and emotions. We live in a physical body. Your spirit is perfect. When you're born again, the Holy Spirit gives you a spiritual transplant You're circumcised in your heart, in your spirit. The Holy Spirit comes to live and reside on the inside of you. Watch this. We'll get to this in a second. We're almost done. The Holy Spirit comes to live inside of you, and he will never, ever, we have a promise that he will never leave us or forsake us. Okay? So we don't have to pray, renew a right spirit within me. We don't need a renewed spirit because we have a new spirit. Got it? Verse 11, David prays, cast me not away from your presence. Under the old covenant, that was a legitimate prayer because the Holy Spirit would come and go. He'd be there when you do right. He leave when you do wrong. He's with you when you do right. He gone when you do wrong. That was the old covenant. But people still act like that's true today, and it's not. And that's because they fail to rightly divide the word of truth. Specifically, they fail to divide the covenants properly. We don't pray in the new covenant, cast me not away from your presence, because he promised us. He doesn't come and go, oh, praise God, I'm preaching myself happy today. I'm not supposed to be preaching. I want to have a conversation with you. More of a one-way conversation because I can't hear you back. <laughs> but we don't say, take, 
Take not your Holy Spirit from me because we have a promise that he will never leave you or forsake you. Jesus said, Lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the world. The Holy Spirit doesn't come and go. He lives on the inside of you. Listen, and you really need to understand that when you do wrong. And we all sin. We all commit acts of sin. But we need to understand that, that the Holy Spirit doesn't leave us. He's right there with you to help you recover. Yeah? To help you move on from that sin. To help you turn away from that sin. Okay? Oh, that's good. He's there to help you. He's there to help you. All right. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and uphold me with a willing spirit. We don't need to pray that in the new covenant. We got a joy that no man can take from us. It's a product of your spirit. Amen. Well, that's enough for today. I hope y'all got something out of that. Praise God. Before I let you go, I just want to remind you that there is a special discount on my Bible study course foundation. It's 75% off the regular price of $197. And until the end of the month, you can get it for $47. It's five modules that you can go through at your own pace. They're broken up in little bite-sized lessons. There are 43 lessons at um, 43 lessons in five modules. Okay? And so to get that discount, a link is in the show notes, and you can click that link and go right to it, and it will give you more information about that course. All right, everybody, thanks for joining, and I am out. Thank you for joining us today for the Living by Grace podcast. You are greatly blessed, highly favored, deeply loved, totally righteous, and destined to win because of Jesus. Have an amazing day.